Hello and welcome to Beer Prime, episode 47, featuring Ian Ridings and Matt Ginnery from Leon C Brewery in Essex. Thanks for joining me again. Shortly, I'll be chatting with Ian Ridings, co-founder and owner of the Leon C Brewery, along with sales manager Matt Chinnery. We'll be talking about their brewery, the Essex beer scene, their award-winning branding and beers, the pressures of opening a new pub, why black IPAs are a hard sell, and plenty more. All of this while we'll be enjoying a few of their beers. But before that, let's take a look at some of the current stories in beer. We're sadly seeing more breweries closing their doors for good with the recent announcement that Sheffield's Keller Myland Brewery, brewer of the influential Pale Rider, uh, is to close for good. This is hot on the heels of similar news from Beatniks Republic in Manchester, although their Northern Quarter Bar will remain open, Sterling's Fallen Brewing, Devon's X Valley Brewery, and the Cheshire Brewery, with the added news that Cheshire Brewery's owner and brewer, Shane Swindles, is giving up brewing altogether. I think we're gonna see some more of this kind of awful news over the next year. What with rising costs and Breweries not fully recovered from the awful two years of lockdowns and restrictions. Uh, I think it's inevitable. Stephen Carter, who has his own podcast, Points of Brew, has written a great piece about it over on his website. Have a read at pointsofbrew.beer. In some better news, the Craft Beer Marketing Awards, the CBMAs for short, announced their winners recently. And there were two wins of note for the podcast. First off, Tom Moore Design, the man behind the brilliant can art for New Bristol Brewery, one of my previous guests, bagged an award, very well deserved. And in the beer-related podcast, UK category, none other than yours truly won a Platinum Crushy, as the awards are called. Uh, I'm very honoured to have won, although... For all I know, I may have been the only one to enter. Uh, a couple of upcoming events for your diaries as well. Amity Fest, Amity Bruco's second birthday bash, will take place over the weekend of 1st to the 3rd of July at their Farsley Leeds location. Another birthday gathering is a little sooner than that. It's the 28th of May and it's Elusive Brewing's sixth birthday and that's going to be at their tap room in Finchamstead, Berkshire. Finally, rounding off the new section with a shout out to Jasper, the bar manager at Hopstop in Rygate. Get well soon, Jasper. You can beat this and we'll see you for beers before you know it. Okay, let's get on with my guests for the show. So welcome to the podcast, Ian Ridings and Matt Chinnery from Leon C Brewery. 
I'll let you introduce yourselves, uh, certainly so that the listeners can uh, put a a voice to a name as well. And we'll start with you, Ian. Okay, hi. Um, Ian Ridings, as as it's on Zoom, you can see, your listeners won't, that I'm not a young brewer. Um, I had a career before uh, we, we set the brewery up. Had about 40 years in local government, had some early retirement. And then after a year or so, a friend of mine and I thought it would be a good wheeze to start a brewery. I don't think we had any concept that it would lead to it being, you know, a seven-day-a-week job. But that's that's sort of how it how it's turned out. My original business partner, Mark, was with us for a few years, but has since gone off to Scotland um, to, to set his own uh, business up there. So really, my wife and I, uh, Gabby, uh, who was who was also in there from the start, we we were left with some decisions about what to do. Uh, it was just as COVID started, actually, um, about um, replacing Mark, and we we got a sort of uh, a three a three person team in two two brewers and Matt on sales, you know, and in a way, it sort of led to some some pretty solid growth for the brewery that way. Uh, I think we went from you know, just, um, well, just in terms of turnover, I mean, since, since COVID started, we've, we've actually doubled turnover. Right. So um, uh, it just, it, it, I want to say it sort of professionalised us because I think we were quite professional from the outset, but it, it's just become a bit more of a serious business concern yeah. uh, from, from that time. Um, okay. So that's sort of an, in, an introduction to it. It's probably best if Matt, says a bit about himself. And, uh, Absolutely, and, it is. Yes, Matt, um, tell, tell us all about you. Hello, you're right. So, um, yeah, name's Matt Chinnery. I've been working in the beer industry for, I think, coming up to five years in a couple of months or so. Uh, but probably been in and out of the industry or like passionately in the industry for close to 10 years, I think now. So I mm-hmm. uh, originally started off... Um, just like enjoying different beers uh it was never something that was unusual to me like my dad um and and my mum uh were both camera members although it wasn't like forced upon me it wasn't a rarity to see different beers and especially belgian beers uh around the house or where we went to places and then as i grew up uh luckily my mates in college were very similar so without sounding overly hipster hipster we've been kind of doing it before it was cool um (laughs) and Although he wasn't in all these lovely craft beer bars, we was in like the Weatherspoons in Southend in our misspent youth uh, at college, trying lots of different beers, especially like the cast beers on offering. And once upon a time, there was a pretty decent Belgian uh, selection. Um, but it wasn't until, I say about 10 years ago, uh, I went to Belgium with my partner, Michelle, tried doing like a little bit of research before and there wasn't loads then and when we got to Belgium I don't even know if the internet was a thing there to be honest they're quite quite reserved um when it comes to sharing beer knowledge um recipes and stuff that I found from mm. brewers anyway but at that time there wasn't loads there's was a few books in that and I, I was annoying my mates loads with like trying different beers uh, and I felt that maybe writing the blog was a way of venting that sort of like annoying uh desire to get everyone to try different beers and my partner Cheryl was basically like you know why don't you write about this Belgian trip and it kind of started from there um so I was writing about beer and I I was doing all right I was really enjoying it um around the same sort of time I think was when 
Matt Curtis first was in the uh, the Guild of Beer Writers and he, his sort of task, I think, was maybe to get some new blood involved and I was lucky enough to be invited in then as well. Um, mm-hmm. And at the same time as this kind of happening, uh, through no choice of my own, uh, family disease passed on from my dad to me, I'm a Leighton Orient fan. Uh, and the good <laughs> thing about Leighton Orient is uh, not the football, but we've got a really good beer scene at the club. Um, we've got like a supporters club, which is run by volunteers, uh, where there's uh, eight handfuls of cast beer, but we probably get through about 16 casks in a match day, which is wow. quite a phenomenal amount of beer. Um, and around the same time I started the blog, we was invited. They kind of knew us from the games, did a few charity dues with my mate Paul when he was running the marathon. I think they probably thought, oh, these guys seem trustworthy. Maybe we'll, we'll ask him to come join us. Uh, and we did. It started off sort of like changing their social media, but then we got involved in the match day. I learned how to look after cast beer and run like the match day bar, work the bar. That went into learning how to run events um, and then how to like order beer from like the pub side of it. And at the time I was working in travel, I was pretty happy, but there's, there was this thing inside me. I think I wanted to kind of do something in the industry work-wise. I've never really been interested in the brewing, like the physical side of brewing. Like I enjoy it, I understand it, but I never wanted to do that myself. I, I haven't really picked up home brewing um, for all this time. But the business side did interest me. Um, and from ordering the beers at Orient, I think I met a lot of breweries, especially around London, and that side of seeing that did interest me. Um, so I think I, there was like one day I might have had a bit of a bad day at the office, and I think I put like a half joke tweet out saying, like, who wants to employ me? Um, in about two minutes, uh, my now very good friend Ruth Mitchell uh, sent me a message saying, do you want to come out next week and see like what a salesperson does? I need to put a sales team together. She just started working at West Berkshire Brewery after um, many years at Adnams and a bit at Charles Wells. Um, so I said, yes, went out for the day. She kind of asked me at the end, what do you think? Do you hate it? I was like, I don't really know. I don't hate it. And basically here I am now, five years in the industry from that one day out with Ruth. Um, got the job at West Parks, worked together. I was there for a, a year and a bit and then moved on to East London Brewing Company um, which is in Leighton, obviously I know very well. I knew the brewery very well. I was a fan of the brewery. Yeah. Um, and then, what was it, September last year, Ian, I think, wasn't it? August, I think. August. On the, um, the hottest day ever, we've been interviewed <laughs> you outside. Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew, yeah. I, I, I was a fan of Leon C. Um, obviously, I live in Essex, so uh, I was well aware of uh, Leon C when they very first started. And for me, they were the... F- one of the first sort of Essex breweries to maybe break away from that traditional mould a little bit, um, beer in key kegs, the branding, the type of beers being brewed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we met each other a few times. I think maybe we had like a few chats about different beery bits. And I was always like, if we needed any advice, give us a shout. Um, a few events in London, I think. And yeah, your contacts is about my job role in general. Uh, and I think originally I went around to kind of break it down as the conversations grew it was kind of like actually I fancy a bit of this um I think I always wanted to come and do something in Essex at some point like I especially after being in London for a long time yeah. and I think maybe I didn't know what that was um whether it be something like a, a an Essex beer guidebook um or if it was working within Essex and I think when I sat down and with Ian and Gabby um like I really got excited about the thought of not only working for Leon C Brewery but actually through promoting Leon C beers, actually kind of giving Essex a bit of a boost as well. I think I think that's a fair thing to say. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah actually, Matt, it, it's, it's further ago than you said, because it, it'll be two years this August is coming up. So it wasn't yeah, sorry, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, that's, that's what COVID's done to all of us. Oh, well, yeah. like, I completely absolutely. love the plot. It's, it's skewed time so much, hasn't it, really? So, <laughs> yeah. uh, right. And the story was actually that just as <laughs> what happened with Matt was um, I contacted him and said, we need to fill a role in sales. Um, is there any way you could advise us on how to do that? Meaning, do you want a job? You know, and yeah. I disguised it by <laughs> I didn't want my pride, didn't want him to say no, but I asked him that way. And he came along, give us some advice. And he, he, you know, he said, yeah, I'm interested in sales. Which is what we really wanted to hear. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's that's how we've been on. Wonderful, wonderful, excellent. Okay. Well, we'll talk a little bit about the brewery uh, in a moment, but let's get on to the first beer. Um, I've gone for the Legra. Are you? Is that what you guys are on as well? Yeah. That's what I'm on. Yeah. Excellent. And I hear this is a multi-award winning beer. Yeah, it has won. It has done done well award wise right from day one. Uh, so. It's won um, Seba Golds regionally in both cask and keg. And as a consequence of winning regional, you got sort of gold for the national finals. And we've had a few beers done that, but Allegra is the only one that's really uh, featured nationally as well. And uh, again, I'm not going to guess what year it was, but maybe, maybe three years ago, it won uh, the silver, uh, also the national second place. Um, mm. In a keg form, yeah. Yeah. So it's. Uh, I mean, what what um, is so popular about it? I think is that it's got so much flavour for a low alcohol beer. Um, mm. So it's bang full of citra and bitterness and fragrance, etc. But um, but it's not going to give you a headache, you know. And uh, yeah, and it works in every format as well, which is uh, why why we love it so much. Absolutely. And it's 3.8%. So very, very sessionable. Um, and you're right. Um, it's, it's not got the, uh, the kind of, it's, it's a light tasting beer, but it's not too light. Uh, a lot of, I think sort of beers around sort of three and a half or so up to 4% sometimes can be a bit too, too watery, but this has got the, it's got a bit of a, a body to it, but nice and uh, refreshing and uh, definitely, definitely very sessionable. Um, but then also looking on your website, uh, you, you mentioned that it, you found out after naming it, which perhaps we'll come on to the reason for the name uh, <laughs> as well. You found out that it, you'll realise rather that it's an anagram of lager. Yeah, we're um, we're obviously not that bright. If it took us now in the days of Wordle, I think we'd have picked it up straight away. But mm. before that, um, it, it did take us about six months to go. If we had a lager, what would we call it? Oh, Legra's like lager, and then there's <laughs> was an absolute anagram. And uh, and we did have quite when we did do a lager, we had quite a lot of debate about whether we'd call it Legra lager, and um, and decided that it, it was just it was cluttering the pitch really because Legra stands in its own right. Um, yeah. Legra is the um, the Doomsday Book name for the town where we're from, Leon C. Yeah. So that's where that's where Legra comes from, and. Um, and the pub that I know we're going to talk about as well, that's going to be called the Legra Tap. So uh, we, oh, really, okay. we really love the name. Uh, it was our first beer we ever brewed um, on each of, our, each of our brewing kits. We started very small and then went big. Both times it was Legra that, that, that kicked off the, uh, the, the brewing. And, and it, yeah, it's been the most successful beer and it's still the one that we, we brew it every other, almost every other brew is a, is a Legra brew. Right. Um, I guess it's, it's the, the, the beer you sell the most of? 
Yeah, it's, it's, it definitely. It also helps where it's the first beer that we brew. So I guess like um, obviously it's had a, it's had that full run since the beginning of the brewery, but still now it's it's by far probably still at the moment it's by far the top selling beer. The the lager, um, lovely lager, which has come about in the last um, two years or year and a half. That's probably catching up a bit, like but that would you'd expect that really with lagers um, because of the higher volume really of um, people drinking it. But it's still yeah by far the uh, biggest seller. Be- Beach Light's a new beer which we'll, I think we'll try next, and I th- I'd like to see like maybe compare year on year when we've got a solid year or two. But I think Lega would probably still still be because we've got a few a fair few like permanent taps around our way of leg right whereas we don't have as much as that with beach up but in the tap room we noticed the big difference mm-hmm. actually i think the tap room beach up probably if you was to look at the last few months has actually taken over leg right but um historically definitely our biggest biggest seller and, and like uh, probably you know our most important brand as well um which is why obviously where it's been used um the pub name which we'll talk about later yeah well let's talk about that now so um uh, you've uh, you've got the the brewery and the tap room, which we'll also get onto later. But not content, you're opening a pub. So, yeah, get, give us all the details. I I went to a camera meeting on um, on Tuesday night and and said to them about they knew they knew we were opening the pub and and the question is why, uh, and the answer is there's no money in selling beer into the trade. You know, and <laughs> quite brutal. Um, the only way. To, to really make decent margin, decent return, in, in my view, unless you're, you know, unless you're particularly hyped and trendy, is, is actually to have your own, have, have control of, of who, who buys your beer at, at full price. So yeah. the tap room for us does, does fantastic. You know, it's, uh, it's on an industrial estate, a car park, um, and, and we get, like last Saturday, we had a music event with 250 people there. Uh, and it does great. But we really wanted, uh, we, have, we have food vans visiting the tap room, but we really wanted to do something a bit more mature and, uh, and a bit more stable. So one of the food partners that we have had at the tap room, uh, two young chefs called Black Circus, that, that being their, their surnames, um, we just said to them, look, if, if we had an outlet, would you want to come in with us at all on this? And they sort of bit our hand off. Um, they were... They, they do mobile events, but really need a, a stable space for um, prepping, prep kitchen. Mm. I normally have to hire them out individually or, or for events. So uh, that, they were keen. Uh, and then the things just sort of fell into place for us. We're lucky to have a, 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 one of our shareholders who's, who's sort of taken early retirement and has got uh, the wish to get into commercial property. So in January, we started looking in earnest for a local... Um, pub or restaurant that we could take over and uh, and a bit by word of mouth we found an old uh, well-established 1980s pub right in the population center of Leon Sea and we knew that the owner was keen to retire and sort of made him an offer and uh, we've we're now in you know um, given it's really been about sort of three months preparation we just do one month of frenetic refurbing and decoration and then in early June, we hope to open as the Legra Tappan Kitchen with a street food offer, um, Black Circus doing, doing all that, mm-hmm. uh, and centering on, but not exclusively, our beers. So okay. planning on 12, 12 keg lines, probably six to eight of them will be from us and the rest will be guests. 
uh, and forecast lines, probably two or three will be ours, and then we'll have guests there as well. Uh, and and we really, I mean, we've got some great drinking places in Southend, um, particularly in the last three or four years. Um, it's been quite quite late to it, but we've got some smaller great venues. Mm. But this, you know, we're we're really confident this is going to be the one to go to because the the other great ones for beer don't actually do food, um, right? And we've got a really modern food offer. Uh, and you know we, we're we're just we're, we're hugely enthusiastic about it. We've crowdfunded um, all the uh, investment uh, in the pub by selling thirty um, percent uh, of the shares just to just to uh, regulars, etc. And um, that's just falling into place now, and uh, it's 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 terrifying. We started this. Gabby and I sort of started this in order to do it for two or three years, two or three days a week, and then retire. And it's getting like a bit crazy, you know, but but exciting nonetheless. Yeah, sounds it. So that's uh, June, did you say? Yeah, yeah, we're there now. Um, you, know, you know, ripping out carpets and knocking down walls. Um, and we've got a month, basically, a month of preparation, and we should be open. Okay, and in the centre of Leon C. Yeah, right, right on the uh, trunk road to the sea, which is the A13, um, but in a very leafy residential area. So the A13 has got sort of, you know, connotations of uh, being like a grand dual carriageway, but it's got yeah. little residential areas and commercial shopping areas as well. Uh, and where this is, it is a pub that was called the Harry uh, until about a fortnight ago. And it, um, it, you don't expect to see a pub where it is. You, you could mistake it for a, quite a plush, detached house. But it's, uh, okay. it's, it's been a pub since the 80s. Um, didn't really, to truth be told, didn't really stay with the time. So when we first went into it, it was like going back to the 70s. You know, three or four, <laughs> three or four um, macro lagers, Guinness and a couple of ciders, and actually a lot. Yeah. Uh, and we're sweeping all that out. Keeping the Guinness on advice because uh, that was the big seller. Oh, okay, it's quite a strange one. I don't think I've um, heard <laughs> of a pub where lager isn't the top selling beer, right? Or well, a former lager is the top selling beer, but Guinness seems the top seller in there, which there can't be too many, especially around our way, that's like that. So yeah, that was interesting. I mean, there's a couple of breweries that are trying to rival uh, Guinness, such as <laughs> Anspach and Hobday with their London Black. Uh, so yes. like a, a nitro uh, porter offering. Tempted to do something the same? Yeah. We're all over it. Um, we have met with Anspach and Hobday on that very issue and said, um, so a bit conflicted because the guy that sort of bought the pub for us to lease is a Guinness drinker. And he said, look, I do all this, but keep the Guinness. And so what we've said to him is, yeah, look, we're going to keep the Guinness, but there may be another nitro stout there that you might like. Yeah. We'll just we'll just sort the cake down until they realise, and then when they decide they actually there was no difference, they loved it. We'll just put the baggage on; it'll be fine. That's a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many people would. To be fair, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, I, I, I suppose you might even get some people saying, "Well, this Guinness is tasting especially <laughs> good this week." Yeah, <laughs> this is much better yeah. than usual. <laughs> it's, but it is about where it comes from as well, isn't it? I mean, there's, yeah. we don't need to support. Uh, Guinness and Diageo, they they do their own thing, you know. So if we could if we could make London Black our nitro stout, why wouldn't we? You know. Yeah. Um, and Spatch and Hobday are bigger and better established than us, but not hugely so, you know. 
Um, they're not massively bigger than us, so mm. yeah, why not? Why wouldn't we support them instead? Yeah, no, very, very true. And I think, uh, yeah, you, you're right. Guinness uh, is sold in so many places and sells so much that uh, one less, one less <laughs> yeah. permanent line is is hardly going to dent uh, <laughs> dent their sales. But uh, who knows? The people who drink Guinness regularly, hopefully, anyway, would be yeah. would be up for the change, up for to drinking something yeah. that is similar but uh well in my opinion better i, I like uh, london black a lot a lot more than i do guinness to be honest so there you go uh brilliant okay well we look forward to that and um to to seeing the the legra tap and kitchen opening up next month uh, but as you said you did already have a tap room right by the brewery um on an industrial estate but there's nothing wrong with that so many i think you know mm. <laughs> the, the, my wife jokes about the amount of industrial estates i take her to <laughs> um, and, and railway arches so nothing wrong with that at all but so let's let's go to the uh, the tap room then that you've already had how long has that been open it's um since the beginning really um it's quite interesting for me because before working at the brewery i think i maybe two or three times i think i popped in like um just to enjoy the beer i had a mate that lived around the corner as well so it was a good place for us to meet i think in the early days of Leon C, it was really kind of just the main bar area, which I guess you get about 30 people in at a squeeze pre-pandemic. Wouldn't do it now. Yeah. Pre-pandemic, probably about 30 people. And then there was events and stuff that were busy and the outside was used. But I think regularly it was mainly just the inside part of the bar where the, bar, the actual physical bar is and the taps are. Mm. And then um, when we joined during the pandemic, obviously it was very tricky with all the different rules and making sure that what we were doing was safe but at the same time, you know, obviously trying to get every penny that we could because the times were so tough. So we did everything under the all the different rules and, and did quite well. And I think the hard work there and the hard work just during the pandemic in general, we did a lot of home deliveries, a lot of um, direct consumer sales, opened up the shop when we could, like spoke to people who would come visit. It was really nice. All that hard work, uh, not only got us through, but when the tap room was able to reopen, I can remember it was like a Friday afternoon. It was opening at four. It was about three o'clock. Ian was out delivering Shopify, like direct to consumers. Uh, we had a bit of an issue with one of our taps uh, out in trade. So Rob and Sam of Brewers were out trying to fix that. Me and Gabby were just kind of like getting ready for tap room, thinking it'd be a little bit busy. And about half past three, I think there was like, 200 people in the tap room it was just mobs and all five luckily all five of us sort of come back together and that was it we just worked solid for till we shut at eight o'clock and it was brilliant but it, it it was proof i think of the hard work we did and the tap room just being out a lot of it outside and ever since then it's just completely changed really hasn't it i think um we've made physical changes to make it um as, as comfortable as possible what when being in an industrial state mm-hmm. um and yeah, like just like grown, like we, we've got, I, I say it quite a lot. I don't think we, I wouldn't say our tap room is a particularly sort of beer ticky venue. Like you can go to some and you can, you know, people, you can see people that are there for like really for the beer. And, you know, that's like what I would be like if I was, you know, on holiday somewhere, I'd be sitting there trying to beers. Whereas we've got like a really good community feel and vibe at our tap room. And I, I compare it more to a social club. Mm. Um, we've got a decent catchment area. So where we are, uh, there's like two local pubs, one of which is fine, um, sort of that stereotypical clicky uh, locals a little bit. And the other one, I'd say is more of a food place than a pub. So we, we do quite well, like in the middle of that. 
and we do offer something different. Um, and we get people to come Thursday, Friday, Saturday, um, like every day. So that's why it feels more like a social club and, and we get, you know, really nice people coming there. They do enjoy the beer, but I wouldn't say it's as beer ticky as, as some tap rooms may be. It has definitely got that community local uh, feel to it, which um, will take that same feeling, obviously, into the pub as well. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, we, we, we're very lucky, actually, like a good group of people that come down. Yeah. And how far is it between the tap room and the new pub? It's an 11-minute cycle. I know okay. that because I've done that journey three times today. Um, so, yeah, back and forth between the two. Um, but it's the other side. And quite crucially, geographically, one is one side of the A127 um, and the other, the, 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 um, the pub is on the south side of that. So okay. there's, there's a bit of a divide there in terms of, you know, where people sort of spend their time and their leisure. So we, I mean, we are undoubtedly, to some extent, setting up in competition with ourselves. Yeah. But, um, but I don't think that's going to be punishing. You know, I think um, there'll be an awful lot of people. There'll be people from the tap room that currently come to the tap room that go to the pub. But there's a huge amount of people near the pub that never would think of going to the tap room. You know? Yeah. Like, They've got to be our market because, I mean, it's leafy and, uh, and very well established and, you know, comfortable houses around there. And they, I don't think they routinely went to the old pub either, these people. So we've got to get them out, outdoors. You know, that's the plan. Yeah. OK. Um, and at the tap room, uh, you mentioned about doing some events and things like that. And obviously you said food. You have obviously yeah. the Black Circus and perhaps other, other vendors as well. What kind of activities and uh, live events do you do? Well, it's music, uh, really. We're, we're, we will probably broaden that to some extent as we go forward. But um, last week we had one of the South End sort of music agencies did a takeover there with uh, five different artists who were, uh, really used it as a run-through because they're off to the Dartmouth Festival to play Um sort of rock, pop, indie type music, uh, you know, um, self-written and covers as well. They're off to Dartmouth this weekend and they wanted a run through. So they just came over, organised it all, took over. Um, and we sold tickets to raise money for the artists, you know, who haven't been out to gig for two years, you know. And that's like a really good thing mm. for us to do. And similarly, we have uh, yeah, singer-songwriter type, type people uh, three or four times a year, maybe, um, but Matt, I'll let Matt, there's also a little sort of DJ fraternity which, which meets there, which Matt can talk about with more authority than me. So um, we have like a, a monthly, uh, I say DJ loosely, we are more sort of like <laughs> uh, vinyl collectors, but uh, it's, all, it's all seven inch vinyl, 45, so singles, uh, and a mixture of genres, but I would usually say... Um, uh same uh is it same meat different gravies it's all very similar vibes so like uh soul disco rock uh psychedelic rock hip-hop um like probably between 70s and 90s i guess there's not too much new music i guess that's played okay. um and it's like a collective of me and a few mates but um it's that's been going really well as well and it gets different people down the tap room so south end is um like south east essex i'm from chelmsford so which is north essex about 25 minutes um down the road but South East Essex have got a really good uh, music scene, even better than like where we are very closely. Um, but it's much better than it is in Chelmsford. And especially for soul music, there's a really big soul music um, scene in South End. There's, I don't know, five or six record shops in a small area, which is is hard to come by uh, now. So it's been good to bring different people down the tap room. 
um, and enjoyed a bit. And I think that's kind of important to us as well. Like we, we were saying earlier about the type of people that come to the tap room, like we never really, like we might be sort of beer tickers ourselves, so to speak, but the beers was always kind of brewed for like everyone really. Um, and and not just for sort of like beer lovers, which is where things like Lovely Lager came into the planning because we wanted to brew a, a beer for local lager drinkers. Um, yeah. And it is, it's very, like we're, we're quite casual and, and laid back and, and we're not sort of like, you know, super, super crafty really in a way. Um, and I think things like these music events does really help that. I think we probably have got, I think we've done quite a good job of getting like people that wasn't maybe into different beers and we played a part uh, in them, like on their sort of beer journeys and trying different beers really. There's definitely right. been a huge change in the last couple of years uh, with Essex. Yeah. Um, which is great because it's always been quite puzzling. Like we're so close to East London, uh, which obviously has all these incredible breweries and, and was quite important in that craft beer London scene. But we're only like half hour on the train from Hackney. Mm. But it never really spread as quick into Essex. And uh, like me, I've got a good group of mates, um, like Steve and Mike and the Beer O'Clock Show, uh, Justin Mason, like we're, we're all part of the Essex Bottle Share. So all within Essex and all really into beers. And none of us have ever really been able to answer that question like, you know, five or six years ago, why isn't it happening here as quickly? From both a consumer point of view, like it wasn't the interest from a consumer point of view, or um, some of the more contemporary modern British brewing. Um, we've got a really good historical brewing in Essex, but until Leon C come along, I don't think there was as many people you could say like modern British. Whereas now there is a couple more now. We've got um, Radio City Beer Works, who we're very close with in Chelmsford, uh, Jack Rabbit, uh, like Colchester sort of way. So there is there is a few more popping up, but. Um, it has taken a bit longer to get to Essex, but in a good way. What I quite like about that is I'm kind of like almost reliving like that sort of scene coming up again. Right. I've yeah. done it before in London, and it's really nice to see that happen in Essex with a lot of our micro pubs, um, like us included, uh, with the tap room. We have seen that massive change over the last couple of years, and it, and it's been quite quick as well. I'd say it really has started to catch up now, whereas it took quite a long time to get there. I think. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Okay. So. Uh... Time for another beer, I think. And uh, Beach Heart Brew is the beer you were talking about uh, a few moments ago. Yeah. I'm going to go into that one. So whilst I'm pouring, tell me a little bit about this beer. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a bit about the sort of uh, the heritage of it, really. The, it's, a, it's actually initially a collaboration between us and an audio company called Ruick Audio. Um, and they want... they. Uh, they are South End based local company like ourselves, um, but they are they produce quality audio pro, uh, products, um, speakers, etc. And they wanted to launch a, a new radio called the Beach Up Radio, um, and I thought that some cans of beer would be a good good way of launching it. So they've got a global uh, retailer network, so we were happy to do this. Uh, obviously, it's nice to sell a whole pallet in one go, and also. Um, it was going off around the world. So Singapore, Australia, et cetera, you know, that's where our market is as well, as well as in the UK. Um, so we brewed what we, you know, I've taken a, a modern hazy pale, sessionable, et cetera. And that was, it's supposed to be a one-off, but, but it's actually, I don't know. It's, it's actually, as Matt said earlier, it's, uh, it's becoming our, our largest selling beer in the tap room. And really? also one shifts with cans as well, doesn't it? Mm, yeah. Um, can you can you speak, Matt, on the because uh, I've just forgotten <laughs> what, what's in it, hot wires and stuff. So like that. Um, 
like Ian was saying, it wasn't. I don't think it was ever really the plan for it to become a core beer. Really, but it it, it basically became a core beer on its own merit. Um, and I guess I kind of like to think of it a little bit. If you think of Legra being like the first beer that was brewed by the brewery, um, I feel like this is kind of maybe like the the beer that represents maybe like this the the new sort of faces the brewery. So yeah. Sam, um, I have brewer. He um, definitely prefers like the New England style beers he prefers the big juicy beers he he prefers the hazier beers and I think this was probably it was probably one of the first beers he really got his teeth into maybe I think that's probably about right I think the lager maybe come before but there was obviously a plan with that although he was really excited to brew lager as well but I think this was kind of his first like right my recipe completely new beer um New England yeast and it is uh El Dorado hops and mosaic so it's like really uh fruity punchy pineapple mango flavors um Mm. I'm trying to think if we had done anything. I don't think we've done anything like on the big kit like this before. We, we've got a small 150 litre pilot kit, which is almost like anything goes. Um, we can do whatever we want on that to you know keep things interesting and fun. And it will go on in the tap room, um, which obviously then is a bit of a draw for the tap room as well to get beers that aren't elsewhere. Um, but yeah, I think this is probably like Sam's sort of first um, style of beer that he likes drinking. And I think that's probably like a nice way of thinking of it, really. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's very juicy, isn't it? Mm. Um, they're definitely getting those tropical juices coming through. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah, really yeah. soft. Nice mouthfeel. Um, I, I, I kind of sit in the middle a little bit. I like both traditional and contemporary. Um, and I probably would, would lean more towards Legra uh, overall in styles of what I drink. But actually, this is like it's the easiest drinking beer that we have. It's so... Uh, I hate like words like pineapple and smashable and stuff, but it is it is definitely uh, pineapple and and swiggy juice. Yeah, um, and it's yeah just four four point five percent, so a little step up from from Legra, yeah. but uh, but not massively. So yeah, indeed, and, and they're um, very different from each other. So they as a as yeah. like a range of beers, they complement each other. So like we were saying, we you know we we don't kind of put all our eggs in one basket when it comes to styles or who we're trying to sell beer to or like who we're like, even like brewing point of view, like it's not all that like Sam loves drinking these beers and brewing his beers, but we, we try to do like a, a quite a wide range of different styles because we want to cover as many different people who, who enjoy different style beers. And I think these two like sit in that kind of middle of like the parallels, like the people that like the hazier New England style and the people that prefer maybe a little bit more, I wouldn't say leg was like West Coast style, but a little bit more sort of bitterness um, more traditional style parallel. Uh, you're mentioning uh, Sam there as uh, your brewer. You've got a couple of brewers. Is it Sam and Rob? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Both Sam and Rob joined at the same time. Um, and uh, Rob, Rob's background was uh, originally in the building trade and then found the love of brewing, went to Billericay, kicked off his brewing career, Billericay uh, Brewing Company. And and then he went off to East London. So he was one of two people that we poached from there. Yeah. Um, so he, but he's local to us. So um, it was a, a, you know, an easy decision for him to make to sort of be able to do the same job in a, a, a slightly smaller brewery, but much, much closer to home, you know, on, on his home patch. Uh, and Sam, who's the younger of the two, has been brewing for, for, for longer than Rob, actually. Uh, and uh, was talking to him just last week when we, we 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 will probably mention we we just did a collaboration with Elusive and um, so we were we were down the pub after that and talking to to, to Sam who's who's actually got a, a brewing partner so it, so Yulia his partner 
who decided that she wanted to be a brewer when she was 10, um, which wow. is a very, biz- a very bizarre <laughs> conversation we had all about that. But, yeah. Sa- but Sam decided when he was about 20 that that's what he wanted to do uh, and then completely changed the, the career that he'd started to do that. Um, walked into, I think, applied for a job in a London brewery, didn't get it, and then went to a local uh, neighbour to us, George's, uh, who are sort of traditional, um, traditional owl brewery, uh, sort of learned how to brew and then became head brewer there. Um, uh, then ambitiously sort of set up his own cuckoo uh, brewery called Fable, um, but then went off to to uh, Ubrew, which which was an experiment that ended badly for everybody, yeah. including Sam, I think. Yeah, um, over at Berman's here, wasn't it? Exactly. Yeah, he was he was working there when everything sort of went to the wall, um, and then I, I, he he did he he was then at the brew house and kitchen, but then was very pleased, I think, to get back to sort of the South End area uh, and come in with us. And Excellent. We, yeah. He, yeah. he's uh, he's very ambitious very knowledgeable not not in terms of uh, yeah because because Julia his his girlfriend is like got done the, she's German and she has been through the German sort of school of things and got the theoretical knowledge but Sam's got it anyway you know excellent yeah. they've been with you uh, just as well as long as Matt has then so um because you, did you yes. join together two years in August so those those were the three team members you were talking about when Mark uh, retired yeah we did kind of know each other a little bit beforehand. Um, obviously, the industry, we all do know each other quite well. Um, obviously, I knew Rob pretty well when I was working at ELB with him. Um, and maybe a little bit before that, but maybe just like on a, a kind of Twitter sort of back and forth comments now and then. Uh, but I, I'd met Sam quite a few times um, in and around sort of like things like the Bottle Share or like the camera uh, festivals in Essex. And obviously, you say new Ian and Gabby from uh, when they set up the brewery. But there's like, I always go back to it. There's like a really nice like photo. When I was at the sports club, is it the first event? I think it probably was your first tap takeover. It was our first event, yeah. So I, I actually, uh, my first bit of sales for Leon C was uh, to get the Leighton Orient supporters club to do like a full tap takeover. <laughs> and as part of that, when we were saying about, um, like Sam also had his Fable um, brewery, which he did on his own, like Gypsy Brewing. There was a collab that um, Leon C and Fable did um, to go on for the event. So there's a photo that I took from behind the bar, putting the event on of Sam, Ian and Gabby, all before we worked with each other. And then yeah. fast fast forward, I don't know, two years time from them or a year and a bit. Um, yeah, and we we're all, all now working in the same team, which is quite nice. Yeah, yeah excellent. Uh, you mentioned the collaboration uh, just now uh, with uh, Andy from Elusive. Um, what's that going to be? Kel surprise at the moment. I think Andy's moved on from black IPAs to West Coast style IPAs. Um, but this is this is a West Coast power. So um, the idea is for it to go into keg and cask. So we want it to be a little bit lower ABV to kind of suit both uh, formats. Uh, and then it features uh, Strata Hop, which I think is the first time we've used it. I don't think we've even used it on a pilot kit before. That's right. Um, and I think which kind of came from uh, when we was driving up to BRX, uh, we was kind of thinking about names and uh, what to brew with Andy and Ruth. And um, I don't know where it came from. Lots of, you know, six hour van journeys of conversations can go in all kinds of directions. But I think I just said press strata to play. It kind of fits sort of like Andy's 8-bit theme. And we hadn't used the strata hop. And, and then... <laughs> 
strangely bumped into Andy in the toilet later that day, mentioned it, probably not the best place to have a beer meeting, um, <laughs> but mentioned it and he really liked the, he really liked the name. So that was kind of where we went with it. Um, and they came down uh, last Friday. So um, kind of like, it's a, it's a kind of personal, personal thing to kind of tick off the list for me because um, I've known Andy a long time. I've probably actually, I've known Andy longer than Ruth, I think probably. But obviously me and Ruth are very close uh, and still very close when we was working with each other. Um, so that was really nice for us to be able to uh, both do like a beer together or, or, or like plan a beer together um, uh, at different breweries after all these years of being apart, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah we should so be seeing that about a month, I think. A little bit less so than a month. About, about a month's month. time. Okay. Excellent. Press starter to play. So that's, that's the big, that's the one on the big kit. But we also, the last couple of collaborations we've done actually with, we've sort of really killed ourselves by trying to brew twice in a day. So we brewed on the small kit as well. And um, the one on the small kit, which is, which is a very interesting, uh, I think, lemon meringue pie sour, I think. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. so, yeah, that was, that was all roof really, to be honest. I think um, where we, called, we planned the big kit, um, kind of like me, Sam, Andy, um, I just kind of said to Ruth, what do you want to do? Uh, and she's like, oh, I want to do like this lemon meringue pie sour. Do you think Sam will be up for that? And I was like, I think you'd definitely be up for that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we, we brewed that as well. Uh, low ABV, that one would be three and a half percent. And then okay. uh, I think I think it's, yeah, it is confirmed. So the 1st of June, which is the Wednesday, like day before um, the Long Bang Holy Weekend, we're going to do like a launch event at the Rake um, in, in London for so it'd be like a joint tap takeover with both cask and keg of the West Coast Power. And I'm pretty sure we'll have one of the kegs of the lemon uh, sour as well. So if anyone is nice. able to come down, then this is uh, exclusive for you, Paul. Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I love the exclusives. On the 1st of June <laughs> at the Rake, uh, excellent, at Borough yeah. Market. Brilliant. That's a great Place. I love the rate. The, the small kit, the small kit only only gives us four kegs. We get four kegs or three casks when we Well, wow, that is a small kit. kit. So, <laughs> so that lemon meringue it will be rare. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to ask about the small kit actually, because I, I saw that you you do um sort as you say, sort of experimental stuff and you know small stuff on there. Um and I guess it's only it only comes in keg and or, or cask, not in small pack. And only usually, other than events like this, I guess, it's only available at your tap room and potentially in future um, at the pub. Generally, yeah, that's right. The other the other use we put it to though actually is is we we invite people in to people brew for their weddings and birthdays and retirements and stuff like that. So ah. you can get a an event and that way sometimes we we bottle the, the whole output uh, so we had we have done that and uh or well, we'll make one cask and the rest you know hand bottle it sort of thing okay. so we, we we do really have some fun with that kit i mean that was we purchased that mark and i um when we set up the brewery uh we we were so naive we knew nothing about we knew a bit about beer but nothing about brewing and we, um, we ordered our kit from Johnson's uh, Brewing Design in Manchester and thought that he would just come the next week and fit it. And I don't know why we thought this. But in, and then when he told us it was six months, we thought, well, we've got this bloody great shed. What are we going to do with it? Um, we went on eBay and looked at two or three sort of 150-litre uh, setups. Ended up buying this from like an individual who was like a really keen home brewer, had it in his garage. Um, uh, hired a van 
drove down to Devon to pick it up and, um, and then started, just started on that. Uh, and that took us from August 2017 to December 2017. Ah, you know, right. We won like uh, you know, Beer Festival Awards, brewing on that little kit. And, and I, have to, I have to say, if we'd started with 40 barrels in one go with no sort of heritage at all, you know, no, no background, I don't know what, how the hell we'd have sold it. So it, it turned out to be a real, a real benefit, but it wasn't part of the plan. Yeah. Um, but it's great that we've kept it as well, because it is really, it's our fun kit, you know, it's where we do the interesting things. On. Yeah. And I mean, do you ever scale up something like you brew it on the pilot kit and you love how it tastes, you love, and, and it works in the tap room. And so you think, okay, we're going to, yeah. we're going to brew this on the big kit. Yesterday. Not that often, but right now, yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> yesterday. Okay. Um, we, uh, I spoke about like me and my friends who are part of sort of like this uh, vinyl collecting collective DJ group called the 45 Fiends. And uh, one of my really good mates in there, Blokey, uh, who works in our tap room as well, he turns 50 this year and had like a list of things that he wanted to do. Um, it might have been, it was probably 50 things for 50. And one of them was brew a beer. So we were like, okay, let's do something on the pilot kit. Um, so we brewed a beer called uh, Digger's Delight, sort of like a play on uh, Rapper's Delight, but like digging for vinyl. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had it on like at the tap room when we were doing a DJ session. And we also do uh, some bits at a local bar in South End called Craftwork. Uh, the, the beer went on in there and I think the keg sold out in about 20 minutes. Uh, it was wow. one of the quickest selling beers I've had. Um, it's our highest rated beer untapped, but obviously that's a bit skew with because there's only a couple of kegs of it. So obviously, where no, 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 <laughs> hasn't no. got as many votes as Listen, some of the don't others. Don't worry, but... don't worry about stats. Own it. <laughs> the reasons for it, just say yes. It's the highest highest rated beer in history. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, the, the opportunity came to brew it in a big kit yesterday, and by complete, I'd like to say that we planned it, but we didn't. And it wasn't to the end of the day that it clicks. But um, as a vinyl fan, it was 45 day yesterday, the, the fourth of the fifth, as well as Star Wars Day. Oh, uh, so we brewed yeah. Diggers Delight on 45 day, which uh, was some really good planning. <laughs> it's obviously 4.5%. Yeah, yeah, and 4.5%. And 4.5%, yeah. Uh, brilliant. Okay. I want to go back to awards a little bit because um, I, you know, as well as those beers that you've had, uh, such as Legra that have won awards, but also I'm seeing the list here of other other rural winning beers of yours: Old Leal, Brewbarb Saison, uh, Six Little Ships. You know, so so many of the other ones as well. Um, but you also won a Cibra Award for branding in 2018. Uh, yeah, I think uh, <laughs> it's funny because some of the uh, the old debates we had on branding are sort of coming home to me at the moment because we're doing it all again for the pub, you know, so it's interesting. It sort of brings back memories. But but we made some sound decisions, I think, on branding, and, you know, fortuitously, um, but just uh, a lot of it, it goes back, our branding goes back to a local artist called Neil Fendel, um, who, who sort of designs sort of in a retro style um, really the views of Southend and Leon Sea, etc., and areas. And he's now branched out to do most of the east of England, actually. So he's got stuff on Colchester and Southwold and, and stuff like that. But he just gives it a bit of a like a modern old world quality, which is it's really lovely looking, very simple, uh, colourful. Um, and we we um we saw right. Uh, you know, in the town, we saw one of his posters and thought, what if that bloke would like to work for a brewery? And uh, and managed to contact him. 
And after a few weeks, a bit of a quiet period, then he got back to us and said, yeah, great idea. And we, we used some of his some of his previous artwork, but also he did quite a lot for us, you know, he, mm. as commissions. Yeah. And so things like our cockle roast spit, you know, which is one which is like a boy floating in the sea, is uh, is sort of yeah he did for us. But the Legra one, which is it was one of his original works, which is the you know a, a picture of of, uh, of of the St Clement's Church in Lee on the top of a hill. Right. Um, yeah. And together with him and and uh, and a, a graphic designer Nick Nick Pettit who put, sort of put it all together. Um, we actually entered the, again, very naively, I think, we entered the uh, Concept Design Award at Business Award for SIBA. And we, we hadn't even been brewing long enough to be able to enter beer at the same event. Mm. So all we could do was, was, was enter the branding event. And we were absolutely knocked out to, to be awarded the, the top prize. Again, you know, far more established and, and larger breweries. And I think it's just because... Uh, you know what? What I think they loved about it was that it had real locality to it, and, and yeah. something a bit fresh about it. Uh, and we've, 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 our relationship with Neil and Nick continues, and uh, uh, we're, so we're bringing out new stuff to this day with, with mm. that with that mark on it. Um, so, so that's where that's where our branding comes from. The rest of it, because we, we can't afford to use the professionals all the time, Matt does an awful lot for us as well. You know, so uh, on okay. the, the one off the one off stuff, um, yeah. Matt, Matt turns his, his hand to that. Oh, right. Excellent. And I mean, what I love about it is I love, as you said, it's um, got quite vibrant colours. It's very much um, of your area, very uh, seaside themed. Yeah. Um, gives you the, the locality, as you said. Um, and also another thing is that the names of the beers are always big, bold, upfront. Some beers that you buy, you've got to search on the can for, for what it's called. Or yeah. what style it is, um, yeah. and so I love the style that you've got, and you've got those great um, imagery as well. But also, you know, the ones I'm looking at here, Legra Pale and Beach Hut Brew, um, and then the styles at the bottom, nice and big, so that you can actually see what you're buying. So uh, yeah, I, I do, yeah. I do really like the branding, and and also the logo, the the uh, seashell logo, uh, again, very yeah. relevant. So yeah, well, Leon C is the cockle capital of Great Britain, so you wouldn't expect anything else. Um, no, you wouldn't. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned Cockles because I'm going to speak about another beer of yours. Now, of course, many listeners will know about the existence of oyster stouts. Uh, you do a, a cockle stout. Yeah. Okay. We, we so just sort of felt we had to. Um, <laughs> we Again, because we thought if people can do oyster stout, then, uh, you know, cockles are a mollusk as well. You must be able to do that. And, uh, and when we Googled around, actually, um, it has precedent. And the shops of Cornwall had done uh, a mussel and cockle stout, I think, before have they really? we did. Well, as, as a one-off on, on their experimental kit, which is probably about the same size as our big brewery. Um, but nevertheless, like, so they, they'd given it a try. And then we thought, well, that's, that's fine. Uh, you know, worked it into a stout recipe. Uh, and, yeah, we, we do brew Renown um, during the cockle season. Uh, and we we put about three kilograms of fresh cockles in the boil. Okay, and I mean, does that bring something different to waste? Who knows? Or is it a similarity. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, um, we would say that it that it adds a sort of you know briny uh, marine character to it. But yeah. then we've never brewed it without cockles. So who really? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Well, that's an interesting one that I uh, I look forward to trying. 
Um, when when is cockle season then? I'm, I'm not really up on cockle it season. It is May, I think, I'd say May till uh, about August, September. Mm. So if we're going to do it, we're going to, we're going to get in there uh, fairly soon to, to, to do that. Right. That's a Come traditional in. beer of ours, though. So we, that's a sort of cask and bottle. We, yeah. yeah. We divide, we're, in terms of small pack, uh, that is one thing that we're, we're keen to um, separate the styles. We make a style separation and we, uh, anything we, we would say is traditional, we put into 500 uh, milliliter bottles and bottle condition. We, every, everything is bottle conditioned. Um, the more modern beers we can, and they are, uh, they're not can conditions, they're, they're carbonated. Mm. But we, we, we've stuck with that division and quite happily. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you've got another beer that um, I think you've probably been brewing it for a while. Um, obviously, uh, tell me uh, how long you've been brewing it. Um, but it's a style that is currently very much in vogue, uh, which is a dark mild. And that's the McFadden <laughs> mild. Yeah, Matt, I'll let you introduce this as an Orient fan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, that actually goes back to the story I was saying about the tap takeover at Leighton Orient. Um, I think... At the time, there was some of the original core beers, but to fill the full bar, I think you did a couple on the pilot kit. Yeah. Um, and that was, I guess, a, kind of like a, a thank you the right word, I don't know, like I guess an ode to Orient. So we did a special beer and, and McFadden, um, without going into it too much, uh, late in Orient, it's got a big World War One history with uh, the song. We were the, we were the first uh, English um, football teams would be like a whole uh, battalion uh, in in that in the World War One. I. I think it was a footballers battalion it's called uh, McFadden was one of our players that sadly passed away and it was, it is quite it's a, it's a you know a bit of a uh, depressing part of history as with anything linked to that but it's a big part of our history I think it probably did uh, mould our club it was a much bigger club then um, and it is a really important part of history so that was kind of brewed for um for that event, uh, went down very well. I think you brewed it a couple of times after, didn't you, as well, uh, for like yeah. beer festivals and stuff like that. Um, but we had, we did make the decision uh, at the beginning of the year, just before Mild had its, uh, well, don't call it a comeback, but the uh, like the, the, the push of the push Renaissance. Of <laughs> yeah, that's the best word for it, I think. Um, we had we had, we had totally planned it, hadn't we? We sat down in yeah. wherever it was, December, January, and it was like, yeah, let's do it, and. What we don't, when we do specials in cans, um, we don't really do specials as such in bottles. We have a couple of seasonal, like the old Liao you mentioned earlier, uh, and Renown, which is a bit seasonal. But we thought we'd do it as kind of like a, a special for like sort of springtime. So it was always planned. And then as it happened, uh, everything else fell into place as well. So the cask absolutely flew out. I don't, we didn't even get a cask at the tap room. It literally went within that first week of it being available um wow, but we good. do have we've got bottles available still though we had quite a large bottling run of that um and yeah and obviously uh, i'm sure there's been a few orient fans that have bought that um although i guess it's a little bit of dangerous territory being so close to south end so we try not to upset the south end fans we've not we've not <laughs> had no comments about it so we must be doing okay yeah no the, the but the reason we bottled it really was big because when we were planning it in january we thought, look, we are never going to shift 40 casks a mile. No one really drinks mild anymore. So let's bottle yeah. half of it and cast the rest. And then, of course, we couldn't. The cast just went, as Matt said. Yeah. Because it was just at that time that it hit the sweet spot and everyone was talking about mild. Yeah. I don't even, you didn't even get a pint of it, I don't think, did you? No, no. Me and Sam were lucky to get a... We just happened to walk into one of our local pubs 
uh, when it was on, and, we, and that was it. We just drank it for the rest of the evening. But um, it was yeah, it was brewed and gone pretty much. That was wow. Yeah, I mean, I've I, I've drunk through a few dark milds uh, earlier this year, and I, yeah, I just it was a style that I was not expecting to really really fall in love <laughs> with. But I've so few of them have been just absolutely fantastic. I mean, then you're getting a few uh, breweries that are kind of scaling things up. Uh, Boxcar did their dark mild, then a double dark mild, then a triple dark mild. I think the double worked. As, as a scale up of dark mild, I think the triple went too far, to be honest. But, uh, <laughs> because it's no longer mild, really, is it? It's still dark, but it's no longer Imperial mild. Imperial mild, yeah. Yeah, I suppose it's like a black IPA. Another mm-hmm. um, oxymoron is you can't have a black pale beer, <laughs> but there you go. That's another That's another story. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned Southend there. What's the relationship like between Leontie and Southend? Is there, is there kind of a competitive uh, kind of no, edge uh, to Leontie- it, or is it... We, we are part of we are part of Southend, so uh, okay. Leon City is, is a is a town within Southend, and right. and certainly in terms of our our beer names and and branding, we look we look to both equally, really. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah, because obviously your beer names do tend to be quite locally inspired. You mentioned cockle roast bit uh, earlier on. It's yeah. it's a boy apparently. What's yeah? Well, what's I don't, you know, again, like we don't really know. There's a strange. <laughs> In, in, in the old town of Lee, there are a couple of boys that have been sort of pulled out of the water uh, and, and painted, um, one, one green and one red. And the red one has just got cockle roast spit painted on it. But there's no, there's no sort of place called cockle roast spit. But right when we first stayed at the brewery, I just looked at the shape of it and the cockle roast spit and said, we're just going to call it beer that. I mean, it's just like, it's inviting uh, you know, to, to, to a beer name, uh, and people get people call it cockle spit row and all sorts of things. People get all around that, <laughs> but um, but I I really think it works. You know, as a, as a name, uh, and it's it's you know it's a sort of west coastish sort of, uh, um, so it, it has a sort of coastal connotation and taste of it as well. Yeah, so I, I just think it works. <laughs> Great. Okay. Well, I love uh, West Coast IPAs, uh, and Cockroach Spit was one of the beers that you kindly sent me. So I look forward to to trying that right. at some point. Look forward sure. to that. Yeah. So in terms of other names uh, and, and other beers you do, I mentioned a Black IPA um, earlier about it being an oxymoron, but you you do one called Crowstone. Yeah. I do enjoy a Black IPA. Um, the the kind of multi roasted multi elements of a stout, which I love. Um, sort of combined with the bitterness of the IPA, I just I do love that combination. And I thought Crowstone was a really good example of of, of a well made black IPA. Um, what are your thoughts on on black IPAs in general? Matt, do you want to? Um, <laughs> if so I, I struggle sometimes being a beer fan and then uh, obviously being in sales as well. Uh, although I think. Uh, Maybe I'm a slightly different salesperson in the sense of I don't only work in this industry selling because I'm so passionate about it and that. But I love drinking them. I don't particularly like selling them. <laughs> I think it's probably <laughs> a fair way of putting it. Um, I, it's one of those beers that I think, it, like, you always want to do it. We really enjoy uh, drinking it. And everyone asks you to do one. But when it comes to brewing it, it can be a bit of a slow mover. Um, but to be brutally honest uh, with that, to be honest, um, but I do love drinking them. I think uh, I kind of like the oxymoron part of it. I, I like the fact it's it is like that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But from a sales point of view, they are they can be a bit more tougher. I must admit. 
Yeah, they need they need to be as popular as mild, really. <laughs> they've had they've had their way. That, that's what makes them slower. I think they've had a bit of trend, and now they're not on trend, and so therefore, I think Matt, when uh, when we when Matt said we we do uh, a thing with Elusive, I said, all oh, right, great, do a black IPA. He just went, no, we ain't doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's passed. That's passed. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so another one of your beers. I'm going to go into this one now. Very much, by the way, the. Beach Heart Brew really, really enjoyed that. Um, but we're going for Legra X. So this is amping up uh, the, the Legra to 6.3. Yep. Um, and this is uh, this is number four, Kashmir. So this is obviously a series that you've been doing. Yes. yes. Uh, we, I guess the very first one was done in the pilot kit before we was around. Uh, but I guess the series started when, um, when me, Sam and Rob joined the brewery. Um, and it is... It is just sort of like pushing the Legra brand uh, and beer uh, and just doing a series of different IPAs um, to kind of cover like what we were saying before when people with the black IPA thing, when people ask to do different stuff, it's a good excuse to kind of maybe try those styles that we might be a bit hesitant to do. But actually, the Allegra X series works quite well. We've almost created like um, a little bit of excitement with our local drinkers with this series because they want to get the next one and kind of maybe never tried that style because they liked the previous one, trusted us in what we were doing. Um, so okay. they're all 6.3%. Um, the the branding is uh, like sort of different colours of the Allegra Power. Uh, and there is like links to Legra. So the very first one was a West Coast IPA, uh, but it was Citra because it's single Citra hops. So it was just a bigger version of Legra, basically. Uh, then we went on to the New England um, style. I can't remember what hop that was. It seemed so long ago. Oh, Dorado, wasn't it? Was uh, no, it was Idaho 7. No. Idaho 7, wasn't it? Um, Idaho 7, yeah. yeah. And then number three was uh, like a Belgian wit style, like a white IPA. Um and then this is the latest one, um, which is Cashmere Hop. Uh, I'm going to get it wrong. I always do get it wrong. But like the Quebec IPA, I think everyone says it differently, but we all know what we mean. Um, yeah. yeah, I've heard it so many ways. I say Quebec, but I've heard people say Quebec, and as you say, yeah, Quebec, whatever. It depends, it depends on me beers about it. It changes, I yeah. think. So. And, and, and I think I've done a, a podcast before where I've said it in two different ways in the same conversation. So there you go. <laughs> I think for brewers, um, it's uh, so a, a magic yeast, isn't it? it, it, it um, yeah. yeah, Sam. Sam was really interested to give it a try because you get this, you know, forty degree th- fermentation in about eighteen hours, sort of thing. And it, so, for, it's a you know, when you're brewing a lager in the next tank, which is like eleven degrees, it's going to take three weeks. It's just like a completely different game, you know, and it's just a bit of fun, really. So that's why um, he he was keen to to give the the Kavik Kavik try, um, <laughs> and, uh, and and yeah, Kashmir hop we we were able to to it's not um, you know uh, necessarily that easily available, but e- each one of the Legra X versions is just a single hop uh, and a, and a particular style of IPA. So we're we're sort of planning you know the next one and uh, whether we're going to do. Obviously, Matt won't let us do a black IPA, but well, <laughs> we might do it otherwise. But, um, maybe no, we might do it under this one. Maybe we say like, <laughs> I've got that. It's almost like a trust, I guess, with with yeah. our local sort of consumers that um, it, it it would be an easier way of doing a black IPA, I guess, as well. Yeah. Um, I think we, we've kind of made a decision that maybe six is where the series ends. I think because um, yeah, we want to try and branch off and do 
few different bits and pieces. Um, and and we, we're lucky enough to be in conversations with you know great breweries that we really like to do some collaborations as well. So um, I think the collaboration brews will kind of maybe take over uh, this a little bit or make it a bit more difficult to kind of fit it in the schedule, I guess. So I think... Yeah. I think we kind of agreed that the next two will be the last um, in that series. And I don't think there's any, we haven't really discussed what that will be, but we'll decide that soon, I would imagine. And, and we do get plenty of repeat, plenty of requests to repeat, which we haven't done yet, but who knows, that might be something that we might do in future. Yeah, possibly. Okay. I, I guess if there's uh, if there's the thirst for it, then yeah. it doesn't hurt to, uh, to, 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 to brew it again. Excellent. Okay. Um, and any other future plans that you can share with us? I know that obviously you've got a lot on your plate with the new pub and that's pr pretty much you, you, what you can think of at the moment, but anything um, beyond, beyond that? We've got, so yeah, obviously the pub's taken up um, a lot of the focus, um, continued events at the tap room. But as I was saying with the collaborations, um, we, like, we're, we're lucky, we were really lucky to be included in uh, last year's Clevergarden that Elusive puts together. And that gave us the opportunity to go to Manchester and brew with Runaway, which uh, was brilliant uh, for many reasons. It's a brewery that I've always really liked and respected, um, being like a real sort of original Manchester sort of craft brewer. Um, and they were like the perfect hosts. Uh, we, I think we, we learned a lot that day from a brewing point of view as, and actually from like a, uh, not like how to do collaborations, but like just like being a really good host and stuff. Mark was brilliant. Yeah. And um, so I hope that we can do something with them at some point later in the year, like a return. And then we were lucky enough to do the other beer, which was with Neptune. Again, a brewery that I've always really liked. Um, and now I have good mates that work there as well. Uh, so that was a pleasure to have Les to come down and brew with us. Since then, we've done one with Bitter Ricky, which is like a local brewery to us. Um, well, it might have been before, actually. But anyway, done with Bitter Ricky. Uh, Radio City Beer Works, like we mentioned earlier, is a new brewery in Chelmsford. Uh, and we get along with Dan very well from a business point of view and from a friendship point of view. I think over the last few years, uh, last few months, sorry, we've become very close with him. Uh, which is great. Essex is a very big county. Uh, not that we not don't get along with each other. We do get along with each other, but it's hard to see some of the breweries sometimes because we're such a large county. Like yeah. Bishop Nick is, you know, almost an hour's drive from us pretty much. Um, so we rarely get to see him. So it's mm -hmm. nice that we've got that relationship with Dan uh, and it's exciting to see him grow. Where he's, he's even smaller, tiny, tiny brewery, one man band. Uh, then we did the Elusive collab, uh, which will say come out in a month. We've got plans to do one with Free Blind Mice in Cambridge. Uh, it's a brewery that I've always thought that is massively underrated. I think they're a really good brewery. Um, we brewed with Ampersand as well uh, towards in the last year, I think. Uh, so hopefully we'll get something in the books down our end as well. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's a few things in the work from a beer point of view. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, so so there's, uh, from, from my, looking forward for me, um, these the collaborations are great. There's uh, There's... There's maybe some others, or at least one other one that we, we haven't mentioned. I don't know whether we shouldn't mention it yet. Um, uh, <laughs> podcast related, but we'll see. Um, and uh, But for me, it, at the moment, it is about the new pub. And also, we're expanding size. So we've, we've got a couple of tanks on order, which will increase our production by 50%. Uh, and we, okay. we, we need that just to keep in touch with the lager market as much as anything else. But also, hopefully, the pub will become a really good customer, and we'll definitely need it then. But yeah. we're in the yeah. position where we can sell all the beer we can make, so we do need to make some more. That's, yeah, that's yeah, that's the focus. absolutely. Well, I, as you say, I mean, given that um, you're, you're going to be sort of um, supplying the, the pub with uh, with the majority of, of its beer, um, yeah. 
obviously there there is the um, increase in capacity is necessary. Okay, fantastic. Um, right. Well, I um, I have a question for you uh, from the last guest on the podcast. Um, that was Dan Hocking, the head brewer from Bundabus Brewery uh, up in Manchester. Now he phrased it more as a statement for you to agree or disagree with rather than an actual question. Can we stop judging beers by how they look, please? So what, what, do, you, what do you think on this? We'll start with you, Matt. I, uh, I listened to this on the uh, journey back to mine from the brewery today. I thought, I, thought, I, thought he was having, I thought he was having a pop of us. I thought it was like a very direct question, <laughs> the way he said it. It made me, it made me, it made me laugh. Um, you're right, it was more of a statement than a question. Um, I, there is a difference between haziness uh, as a fault or haziness um, because you, you just prefer it being a bit hazy. And I'm, Ian will probably laugh, I think I usually sit on the fence in the middle with any kind of decision because uh, I don't want to upset anyone. Uh, but I'm a little bit in the middle on this in the sense of, um, yes, I think it is important. I think uh, there is there is a big part of me that thinks um, that we you should brew to style. Um, uh, and that is important, especially with maybe some of the traditional style beers. Mm. Uh, then also, I think there's the practical side of me that thinks um, that sometimes it's, it either just doesn't happen, not through faults, but just through people's preferences I know um like his answer to it was basically like he, he he didn't mind you know we need to kind of focus less on it I don't think it's a case that we should be like narrowing it down and making sure that it's always like that but I do I do think there is a little bit of importance to to it but I think there is a vast difference between something that is meant to be hazy and then maybe something that just isn't really meant to be hazy and it is it's like a fault really so yeah there is that importance um but <laughs> Saying that, if my West Coast IPA is bitter and it isn't uh, like Pliny the Elder uh, Bright, I'm not going to be on untapped or any other sort of rating thing, uh, you know, <laughs> typing with anger sort of thing. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think since working in the industry, it's not as, uh, not that it's not important. I, th I think there's a bit more leeway, I think. Is probably yeah. Right. yeah. And I guess it's always difficult to know what the brewer intended. Uh, yeah. Anyway, when, when you're a consumer buying the beer, you don't necessarily know if they intended it to be like that or if it's the fault, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so, Ian, what are your thoughts on that uh, statement then? I, I get what's behind the question statement. Um, I think the answer might be no, we can't. And, and it might be like, even if we, even if we try not to, um, our, you know, our eyes are part of what, what, what we use to, to, to yeah. sort of sum up the bit. Um, funny enough, just sort of the link, the question was from Bundabus, I understand. And yeah. I, I last went to Bundabus a few weeks ago. I, I, I went into Manchester on the way home from Liverpool, where we've been to Beerex. Mm. And at Beerex, um, there was a, a great tasting session, a blindfolded tasting session okay which was run by was it was it andy yeah, yeah. it was andy and chess from neptune. and chess from neptune yeah okay so they did a a beer tasting with a twist and the twist was you're wearing a blindfold <laughs> and it was like it was really like having not no surprise here a really important sense taken away from you in your enjoyment of a beer so i mean and people you know even the brewers of the beers were going <laughs> 
were asked questions about they didn't recognize their own beer. They thought it was a pale when it was dark or it was a lager when it was a pale or whatever. Wow. Uh, and it just goes to show how much you inevitably rely on what your eyes tell you when you look yes. at it. Yeah. So for me, I mean, I've not got a problem with haze, but I do like to feel like, it, I mean, I love, I love hazy beers, thick hazy beers, but I sort of want to feel like that's how they were meant to be. So I look at it and I, I know the style I'm going to be drinking and then I expect it. I, I, I am a bit fussy and I'm fussy about our beers and other people's beers. If it's supposed to be, you know, a traditional bitter, I like to be able to see through it sort of thing, you know. Yeah. Um, and, it, and that adds to the enjoyment for me to, to sort of hold it up to the light and go, look at that, you know, and, yeah. and, and to enjoy it. So I, I absolutely get that it should be about the taste and everything, but your eyes do an awful lot of the work, you know, as well as your nose and your mouth. They do indeed, yeah. Uh, okay, fantastic. Thank you very much for those answers. Uh, so I need a question from you guys. You can either get together and, and pose a single question or you can you can ask your own ones. It's up to you. How much does a consumer buy with their eyes from a branding point of view and how important is that from a branding point of view? Yeah, um, yeah. How much, how much do we buy with our eyes? Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Well done, Matt. Rescued us there. <laughs> so you so you're you're gonna throw your weight behind that, that question, Ian. You're not gonna I am, I think that was a great yeah. question. It's a great question. No, it is, it's it's brilliant. Um it's, as you say, you know, we were talking about buy, uh, buying or drinking, you know, half with your eyes in, in terms of looking at a beer style as you're drinking yeah. it. But of course, when you enter a bottle shop, uh, or even if you're you're coming to a to a bar and you're looking at the the the, the pump clips and things like that. Definitely branding, I think, plays a, a massive role. So it'd be interesting to see what the next guests have uh, to say about that. Okay, brilliant. It's been fantastic chatting with you both. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, and thanks again for, for all the beers. I'm going to be working my way through the rest of those. Uh, we didn't get around to the SS9 today. <laughs> maybe that's not... Yeah, maybe, very sensible. Maybe, maybe with work tomorrow, that's not such a bad thing. <laughs> yeah but uh yeah no looking forward to to all of those um so thanks again for those and uh thanks for for joining me thanks for having us on yeah thank, not, thanks for the invite and and uh, i i'm really happy to have done it with max so i think it's it's really worked well uh getting our joint me from the sort of from the various when we started and matt from the sort of current face of the breweries so yeah well, i think that's been, been great yeah I, I agree it's been it's been excellent having having you both sort of have your your your, your takes on it brilliant Fantastic. Again, thanks so much, guys. Uh, and uh, I look Cheers, forward Paul. to uh, I look forward to, um, to to seeing you you guys soon. Wicked. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Thank you very much. Cheers, Cheers then. Bye. That was great. Really good to speak to both Ian and Matt, and I really enjoyed how they bounced off each other too. Uh, I had originally planned to go and visit them in person and record it in their tap room. But unfortunately, circumstances got in the way and it just wasn't possible for me to make that trip. Uh, they aren't too far away from me, though. Uh, they're only about an hour, actually, away from where my parents live. So the next time I go to visit my folks, I'm sure I can work in a good excuse to drop by and visit the tap room and that new pub, which opens next month. Don't forget that beer launch event, too. Uh, that's in London on the 1st of June at the Rake in Borough Market, and that's to launch their collabs with Elusive Brew. 
which will be uh, a West Coast Pale for the main beer. And also there'll be a sneaky cask of that Lemon Meringue Sour that uh, Elusive also uh, did on the pilot kit at Leon C Brewery. Um, Ruth's idea to do that Lemon Meringue Sour. Um, don't forget that the pilot kit only produces four kegs of beer. Um, so one of those will be at that launch. It's a very rare beer. I wish I could make it, to be honest. Uh, it doesn't take much to convince me to go to the rake for sure. But unfortunately, uh, I'll be out of the country, so I won't be able to make that one. But with summer coming, what could be better than a trip to the seaside with a family? Well, maybe a trip to the seaside town with a great brewery, tap room and a new pub. That's what. Uh, and just think you'll be able to drink a can of cockle roast spit while standing right next to the actual cockle roast spit, as well as try a pint of their cockle stout renown, something that I am very keen to sample myself. Uh, there will also probably be, by the summer, their next uh, in the series of the Legra X beers. So uh, you can try that, as well as all of those awesome sounding collabs that they've uh, just been doing or have got on the books. So thanks again to Ian and Matt for being my guests on this episode. Um, and thanks to you for listening. It is much appreciated. Join me again in a couple of weeks time when I'll have two separate guests. There'll be a brewery guest, but I will also be speaking with American writer and illustrator M. Sorter, known as Pints and Panels, about her new book, Hooray for Craft Beer, which comes out in the UK in early June. Subscribe and comment on the platform you're listening on. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BeerPrimeUK and check out my website, BeerPrime.co.uk. Right, I'm off to have a beer and watch the latest episode of Better Call Saul. Thanks again and see you next time.